Here's a set of facts that all you sex crimes prosecutors out there might find fairly typical. The foster parents of the victim, a 17-year-old young woman, arranged a job for her at their local church. The victim was hired to be a housekeeper and was given lodging in the parsonage next to the church. Two other lay staff members and the priest also lived in the parsonage. The victim started her job in January. One night in May, the priest came into her bedroom and tried to have sex with her. The victim resisted him and he stopped. Four nights later, the priest again came into the victim's bedroom and this time he was successful and had sex with the victim. The victim told no one, not even her foster parents, who she saw every Sunday at church and for occasional dinners at the priest's home. In August, she left her job and went home, complaining that the priest had beaten her for a minor offense. In September, her foster parents got her another job at a different church where she went to work and live. The following March, 11 months after it happened, the victim disclosed the rape to her new employer, a different priest, during her first confession with him. Thereafter, the defendant was arrested for rape. At the trial, the prosecution offered the outcry testimony of the second priest. The victim said the reason for the delay in her report of the rape was that during her subsequent confessionals with the defendant, he asked her on at least three different occasions if she had told anyone about the rape. When she said no, the defendant said, quote, bless you, my child. He also told the victim that it was a sin to tell on a priest and that if she ever, quote, told on a priest, she would go to hell or purgatory. The trial court admitted the outcry testimony. The case was then heard by the Court of Appeals to decide if this was proper outcry testimony. Was it? We'll find out. And also, if an old law can learn new tricks. This is Paul Stein from NIPTI with a look at the prompt outcry rule. Part 1 of a two-part look at New York's prompt outcry rule. So let's get started. Outcry, or the prompt complaint by the victim of a sexual assault, is a long-recognized exception to the hearsay rule. The reason for the exception is the lay person's expectation that it is natural for the victim of a sexual assault to make a prompt disclosure of the attack. This demonstrates the credibility of their allegation. Now, the other side of this theory is that a victim's failure to promptly complain about being sexually assaulted damages their credibility. In other words, why would there be a delay in reporting if the allegation is true? Now, if this rule sounds arcane and a bit behind the times, given today's knowledge of things like PTSD, that may be because New York's rule has remained practically unchanged since it was announced in the 1887 Court of Appeals decision, People v. O'Sullivan. The O'Sullivan is Father John F. O'Sullivan the priest from the facts in the top of the podcast. And this case was tried in Onondaga County in 1886, and at that trial, Father O'Sullivan was convicted of the rape. The Court of Appeals reviewed the decision and reversed the conviction, holding that the 11 months between the rape and the outcry was too long to be admissible as a prompt outcry. Now here's the court's reasoning from the opinion in O'Sullivan. The court said, it is a general rule that the evidence of a witness can never be corroborated or confirmed by proof that the witness stated the same facts testified to in court on some occasion when not under oath. Such statements, like all hearsay evidence, are excluded as unsatisfactory and incompetent. 
but there is an exception to the rule in the case of rape. The outrage in such a case upon a virtuous female is so great that there is a natural presumption that at the first suitable opportunity she would make disclosure of it, and she would be so far discredited if she did not make the disclosure. For the purpose of confirming her evidence where she is a witness, such disclosure may be received. But where the evidence of the disclosure is not recent, as soon as suitable opportunity is furnished, the reason for receiving it in evidence does not exist, and the principle for justifying its reception does not apply. Thus the court found that such a disclosure made nearly eleven months after the commission of the alleged assault was too remote to be received in evidence, and there was nothing whatsoever to justify the delay. Now apparently Father O'Sullivan's promise of eternal damnation to a teenager who told of being raped by a priest wasn't justification for her delayed report. The reason for the prompt outcry rule was further explained in the Court of Appeals' 1993 decision, People v. McDaniel. A witness's trial testimony ordinarily may not be bolstered with pretrial statements, the court said. Why not? Well, first, the court points out that this testimony is both hearsay and a prior consistent statement, both of which are ordinarily inadmissible. The reasons for excluding these kinds of statements are that, number one, untrustworthy testimony doesn't become less so merely by repetition. Number two, sworn testimony is preferable to unsworn out-of-court statements. And number three, trials should not be a contest of which party can find the latest version of a witness's account. So what can be properly admitted as prompt outcry testimony? Well, keep in mind that the issue it bears on is the victim's credibility and not the facts of the crime itself. Accordingly, the New York rule requires outcry testimony to be prompt, which means the complaint was made by the victim at the first suitable opportunity, and that's the language from O'Sullivan, and only the nature of the victim's complaint, not the specific facts of the crime, may be testified about. Let's look at the promptness requirement first. What is prompt? What is the first suitable opportunity mean under the law? Well, prompt does not have to be immediately after the incident. Indeed, O'Sullivan recognized this in 1887. In the decision, the court wrote, There may be many reasons why a failure to make immediate or instant outcry should not discredit a witness. A want of suitable opportunity or fear may sometimes excuse or justify a delay. There can be no ironclad rule on the subject. The law expects and requires that it should be prompt, but there is, and can be, no particular time specified. The rule is founded upon human nature which induce a female thus outraged to complain at the first suitable opportunity, such as the natural impulse of an honest female. Using this reasoning now, recall that the Court of Appeals in O'Sullivan held that the outcry testimony was improperly admitted and the defendant's conviction was reversed. The court found that the 11-month delay was too long, especially as the victim saw her parents and went home and started another job, all before disclosing the rape. Court was unpersuaded that the reason for the delay outlined by the victim excused the lack of a prompt outcry. Today, the requirement of promptness of the victim's complaint remains, and court cites several factors that can be considered for determining the first suitable opportunity. Some of these factors include whether the victim was threatened or in fear, what type of environment she was in, and whether the victim was under the defendant's control. Thus, a complaint is timely for purposes of the prompt outcry exception if made at the first suitable opportunity, which is, quote, a relative concept depending on the facts. That is from People v. Ortiz from the First Department in 2016. Now, the pattern jury instructions in the CJI instructs jurors to consider if the complaint was made 
quote, within a reasonable period of time after the alleged incident. The CJI provides factors that jurors may consider in determining if the complaint was made within a reasonable time. Those factors include the complainant's age, past experiences, and mental state, whether or not the complainant feared for their safety or the safety of others, whether the complainant had an opportunity to complain, and a catch-all provision, any other circumstances that operated to prevent or delay disclosure within a reasonable period of time. Let's consider some examples of time periods and what courts have determined what was prompt and what was not prompt for purposes of outcry testimony. And the testimony of two witnesses who the victim informed that the defendant had attacked her was found to be admissible. Although the victim informed one of the witnesses of the attack two days after it occurred and the other witness three days after the attack, the victim explained that she did not make the complaint sooner because she was ashamed and embarrassed that she had permitted the defendant to enter into her apartment. Now, this was People versus Felix from the 4th Department. A second example, the testimony of outcry by an adult woman made three weeks following the incident was permissible, where the victim cited her fear and shame as reasons for waiting to report the incident. And this is People versus Smyers from the 3rd Department. Now, let's look at some examples where courts have found there was not a prompt outcry. And the first example is from People versus Rosario, a Court of Appeals case from 2011. And here, five months after the defendant had stopped sexually abusing the victim, the teenage victim told her boyfriend what the defendant had done to her. The Court of Appeals determined this was not a prompt outcry, as there was no explanation for the delay. Quote, the concept of promptness necessarily suggests an immediacy not ordinarily present when months go by, especially when the complainant is a teenager and not a child. Now, in the second example, this is People versus Ortiz from the First Department in 2016. And here, the court found that the trial court committed error when it, quote, permitted the people to introduce, under the prompt outcry exception of the hearsay rule, the fact that the 15-year-old complainant sent a text message discussing the alleged sexual assault to her friends two or three months after the alleged assault occurred. So what do we learn from these cases? If the delay is justified, outcry can come in, even though a length of time has elapsed between the report and the incident. We're going to end part one here, but next time when we come back for part two, we'll discuss what is prompt in terms of a child victim's outcry statement. We'll also look at what the outcry witness can actually testify to at trial and how many outcry witnesses can testify at trial. And finally, we'll take a look at additional theories for admitting victims' complaints of being sexually assaulted as prior consistent statements. You're not going to want to miss it. So until next time, I'm Paul Stein. I tell you what I say.